A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Welcome back to the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Robbie D, the Dead Poor Hitter. You know where to find me on Twitter, at Dead Poor Hitter. And if you're in the Patreon, the Discord, shout out to the Meatball Mafia. Always supporting one another there. And if you haven't joined yet, come check it out. Come check it out. It's a lot of fun. A lot of knowledge getting spit around. And the Discord is just fantastic. But anyway, on this episode... Um, I got to talk to two phenomenal NFBC players, Mike Mager, who's fantastic, fantastic player. You can go to check his historical earnings and his consistent success in every single format. He sniffed the overall several times, coming in second, you know, I think three or four occasions. But he doesn't want to talk about that because that's too, it's too much. He looks forward. He looks forward. So anyway, and we also have on Mark Winoker. Another fantastic player, wonderful humans, both of these guys. I met them in Vegas, just genuine class acts. And they team up a lot on teams. They play auctions. They play snake draft together. So we kind of talked about their preparation as teammates and as separate um, players as well and how they go into that um, playing and how they're, they're very into auctions. So we get into some auction strategies, but then we also try to talk about if auction – values and the 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 price that you pay to purchase a player in the draft does it does it affect or should it affect your ability to cut them or maneuver them so we're trying to like compare it to uh, you know a 25th round pick where you're kind of just fine to just turn and whether it should matter if someone's you spent six or seven bucks for to get on your team and does that matter? So anyway, we had some great thoughts that came into mind, but they just talked. We just talked about a lot of things: auction, snake draft styles, uh, how to plan out your weekend in Vegas if you go there, just stuff like that. It's just a great conversation with two gentlemen, two fantastic players, and uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the show. Sounds good. All right, folks, welcome to the Bowheader Podcast. Your stop for actionable resources to crush your fantasy league i'm rob d the deadpool hitter i have two special guests here today mr mark winoker and mike mager mike mark thank you for joining me and um i've been wanting to get you guys on together for like a while now and uh i'm glad we're doing it what's up fellas how's it going good to good to talk to you good to do this let's rock let's do it yeah it's great to be uh, on with the overall uh Leader in the main and oh, uh, shut up. Woo! <laughs> and stop. 
our good friend. Yeah, Alex, some things so. don't change, right? You know, you go to the overalls, you see Mike above there, you see Steve Weimer above there, and it's just, you know, same old thing year over year. But this is the year, Mike. I think I told you in Vegas, right? I said, I'm, I'm, if I don't win it, you're winning it, you know? So, um, I know you've, you've sniffed the first spot a couple of times and we won't get into that again because I know it brings up bad memories but let, let's let talk on Vegas real quick I just wanted to say it was pleasure like just being in the flesh with everyone you guys are just truly genuine dudes you know like I can't say that enough and it's a real simple saying but like there's no drama around you guys just true honest genuine and I, I appreciate that so much about you guys just uh, it made me feel so uncomfortable being there so thank you no, thanks, Rob. It's no, it's been great getting to know you over the years. And um I know I was I was thrilled that you were making it out to Vegas. actually this year. I, I think we uh talked or texted about it. I just kept telling you you're gonna love Vegas. And I I knew especially because there, you know, you, you do such a great pod and so many people listen to it that I knew like a million and one people would want to uh to meet you and you get a chance to meet everyone in person and New York city is great. I, I love drafting in New York city, but um, there's something about Vegas where it's just like everybody is, from the community is there. And it's just, uh, it's just so much fun getting together. It's so hard to go do something else. <laughs> so it's like I'm done with the draft and uh, it's like, you know, I can go do something and go back into my room or I could watch another draft. And I'm like, I spent all this off season preparing for these drafts and especially just like meeting my, you know, friend that I've, you know, I've been talking to for years, like Phil and Toby. And it's like, nah, I'm just going to hang out, watch them draft, like watch everyone else draft, yeah. you know, and just be involved. Watch, watch how auctions work. And it's fun. Um, I loved it. Yeah. It's, um, I had the greatest time. It was so great to meet you, Rob. But my only regret uh, was the minute I met you, I somehow touched your hair. Like I really have no idea <laughs> why I did that. I was like mortal. I'm like, oh my god, I just touched his hair. What is my problem? Uh, that was just the weirdest thing ever. I'm so sorry, but you do have amazing hair. I have to be honest, and um, I have no idea why I decided to put my hand on it. That was <laughs> Uh, so I apologize, but you were very, you were very gracious about it, and you are such a good guy, and um, it was amazing. I just want to note, you know, I go to Vegas for football as well, and it's not the same. Guys don't hang around after and 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 watch the drafts and talk about it. It's not like a big party. I mean, they have some events, but it's just a different level of camaraderie, a different level of kind of friendship. And uh, I love football too. I'm not going to say I don't, but just baseball. Just uh, this time was the best uh, in, in all the live events. So it was great to great to meet you in, in the flesh, as you said. Absolutely, yeah. And that was a funny moment. Now that you've said it, I I I visualized the whole thing. I've I relived it, and that was funny. You're like, oh my god! And I was like, yeah, hey, that's my hair. But that's cool. That's <laughs> listen. It's good. You know, that's it, fine. That's fine. It's all good. I I want to um be able to let it out and um have it nice and fluffy while it's there. You know, um, <laughs> but yeah. So let's get into some some um. Fantasy baseball talk. Um, I know you guys are really well into the auction. You guys do some teams together as well. And as I've been playing this season, I've done the I've done the online auction the past couple of years. This year, I stepped into the arena with the big guns and um, got involved in the auction championships. And as I'm actually the prepping, it was so different. But even in the in season moves, um, I'm having trouble waiting. And maybe it doesn't even matter, and we'll get into that. But just like 
waiting like a six dollar player and how I should move him around or whether I should cut him versus um you know a certain round pick. So I wanted to pick your brains about that. Um, but just let's just get right into like the you know general auction stuff. Um, you know what's more fun for you guys, snakes, snakes or auction leagues? You want you want to take that mark or I, well, so I'll, I'll go. I'll, it I think that um, auctions are more fun. I I enjoy auctions more. Um, I think you're you're in on every player. Obviously, it's it's um, you know you much more. You can be much more active. I think more of the personalities come out in the bidding and the mm. trash talking um, compared to a snake draft. And um, of course, you know you have almost unlimited flexibility with, you know, you got to stay within your budget, but you can structure your team any way you want it. And you have more flexibility than a, um, a snake draft. Yeah. I, um, I definitely uh, gravitate toward the auctions. Um, I just find it to be a different type of puzzle to solve. Um, snakes are a puzzle. Auctions are a puzzle. This one just suits my brain a little better, I think, as I've kind of aged, maybe. I don't know. But um, the ability to quantify something more specifically, and I think, Rob, this will, we'll talk about this later in regard to kind of your question about um, decisions in season on how much you, you invested in a player. For me, it's just so much more intuitive to know a dollar amount on a player. And then when I try to set out a strategy, and you could weigh that against what they are uh, currently going for, you know, what's the market price, mm -hmm. and just do that comparison. That, for me, is easier, in a sense, to kind of comprehend, whereas in a snake, you know, you're trying to figure out a more abstract concept like what round or what pick uh, a player is going for, and then trying to compare that to kind of how, how you value that player you know, um, using SGP and valuations. Thank you, Tanner, for your awesome file. Um, it, <laughs> yep. It's just easier for me to look at uh, like valuations than rankings in in how I put together a team. I could come up with a more um, a strategy ahead of time. Where uh, when I go into stakes, it's I, I'm not able to script things out like I, I did when I first started playing and try to have the first ten rounds and plan A, plan B, plan C, like. Maybe it's just age, but um, I have a harder time trying to put all that together in my head as opposed to I know this guy's you know a, a $7 player. He's going for 12. I don't like him. He's seven. He's going for two. I do like him, that kind of thing. So um, I, I enjoy it more. And the second question is more difficult. Um, for me now, it's snakes. Snakes are more difficult for me now. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I like about auctions is some teams will blow their auction. They will mess up their team right from the draft. And you will have fewer teams competing in season for players and for overall to, you know, to cash. You'll have teams, probably two or three teams will be out of it on draft day in an auction. In a snake, I always say a monkey could could basically draft ADP and, and, and be alive at least for a few weeks in, into a season. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I feel like there's like the, the battle of going a dollar or two more than another owner versus guessing when someone is going to get picked or when that person is going to pick uh, a player is, is, is way, is way harder. Like um trying to find that variant in the min picks and the max picks and 
you just know like dad you just have that dollar amount that you want to go to and 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 that changes too like on the fly at least i i learned it did for me um i have no problem in my head on the fly you're saying that that's it i'm just gonna keep going or i'm stopping and just maybe something i have to learn a little better like having a little more control going over and under you know a dollar bid I don't like that you spend all off-season prepping. You go in, you say, I'm going to go pitcher, pitcher, and then you immediately go hitter, hitter. And literally, you just completely change everything you had prepared. Um, that happened again to me this year in the main. I was telling Mike, it looks like you got to take two pitchers in the first three. So I go Otani, uh, Alonzo, and Soto. I mean, like, so right off the <laughs> bat, I'm like playing defense for the rest of the draft. Right. Not whining about Soto, everyone. Don't 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 at me on that one. But um, I'm just saying. Uh, then I'm then I'm on defense. I'm I'm off I'm off kilter. Auctions not like that. I mean, you you're able to really stick more to a strategy and a plan. And given how much time we put into this hobby, I like that you could at least go ten minutes uh, on on game day and actually go with what you think is the best approach. Yeah. Absolutely. And I found too, there was parts of the auction that I felt the most comfortable in and, and most aggressive in. And it's just something I noted and it happened in, in the first um, super auction in New York. Um, I was, uh, Steve Weimer was accompanying me and just like hanging out during my draft. And after both breaks, I was just like so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, and I don't know if I just came in with a clear mind, like was able to see more of what I wanted to do. But especially the second one, it was just like I think I got the first three guys, and uh, <laughs> I mean, like you, you, you okay? You feeling good? I'm like, I feel great. I'm locked in right now, you know. Um, so I don't know. It was something about those breaks where I just came in hot, like, and it, maybe it was just because random guys came in, um, you know, that were. Targets of mine, but one of the things like um I was and and I was talking to Toby Baffled Crazy about this when he came on my pod was it it's um my biggest thing was you know that 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 moment where you have to decide if you're gonna like get this player that maybe you like a little less than a player that's still available, but then that player that's still available might go for a little more money later when you know and you have to make that decision because I think you. For me, at least, I wanted to go forward in my head a lot. Like, well, I just want to know. I want to have this next pick, this next X amount of cash out so I can then lay out more of my next moves rather than wait. But that was my biggest um, decision points. Every time there was uh, two players that were really close, but, you know, like, maybe should I get this guy now. It might be cheaper, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys struggle with that or you just, like, kind of been through it oh, enough to know. Yeah. Okay. No, all the time. Every auction is different, which is another great thing about them. And um, you know, you know, one of the early noms could be someone you you kind of like, and you don't know if that price is going to be high or low compared to all the other guys, you know, around, you know, in that same tier. And you got to decide quickly: do you, is are you going to take that price or hold out for something better, knowing the guys you're waiting on could go for several bucks more. Um, yeah, it's, it's part of its feel, part of its, you know, the luck of the auction. Um, you know, I, I Mark and I did a um, an auction together and then he did a solo one. And a lot of the guys we were on 
just for whatever reason were going less in his auction. I was like, you lucky bastard. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, just paid, I just paid more for that same guy. You know, it just, it, it happens. That was probably the auction I walked in on. I looked at his board and I walked right away. I was like, fuck this. This isn't fair. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I keep looking at that auction. I go, where's Ryan Mountcastle? Like I was all over this guy. Love this guy. Couldn't sell Mike on him. One day Mike's going to trust me on a couple of these guys uh, that I'm, that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about. But so I'm like, where is he on this team? I go back and look. I have CJ Crone. Why? Because CJ Crone went for $7 in that auction and Ryan Mountcastle went for 13. That's why mm -hmm. I have CJ Crone on that team. Would I rather have Mountcastle? Absolutely. I was substantially higher, but you know, that's a, that's a fairly large gap in, in auction uh, uh, um, uh, dollars right there. And that, uh, that allowed me to do other things that I might not have been able to do. And he was at least, in the bottom of that tier with Mountcastle prone in my mind. So it was, you know, close enough. Right. So, and that, and I think Mike's right. A lot of it's nomination order and there's, 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 there's more luck in a sense than, than in snakes and snakes. It pretty much goes in the order. Yeah. You occasionally have someone fall to you, uh, you know, randomly in the third round, but uh, typically it's pretty close to what you expect. Auctions could be all over the map. So you have to be really, adept at uh, that kind of mental gymnastics and um, right. really uh, really flexible, adaptable, agile. And um, it, that comes with experience, honestly. You have to do a lot of these auctions to get into that uh, zone where you where you can always make that pivot if you have to. Yep. Yeah. And, Just a, and, here's, here's a good example. I, I'm curious what you think of, about this, Rob. So I'm in the Vegas auction and it's like, early early in the auction so it's like you know first couple of rounds i think it was and uh someone throws out aj minter one dollar so here you know iglesias is hurt he got the atlanta closer for maybe a week or two maybe longer who the hell knows when iglesias is back one dollar and he got like a couple of seconds to decide do you bid two and um right. i did i did and i got you know, four shaves, mediocre ratios, and I, I recently dumped them. But um, I, you know, I was debating: did I make the right move or not? And I think the answer is no. Although uh, people I spoke to thought, yeah, for two dollars, Minter's a good value. But I, I think the other thing to consider is in the auction part, you only you only have nine pitchers. You can't like in a snake, you can get you can go 10 pitchers in the first 20 rounds, let's say. But in auction, you only have nine pitchers. So if I take Binter, mm. I either either he's my second closer and I get seven starters, or he's really like my third closer. I want to get two more full-time closers, in which case now I'm leaving the auction with only six starters instead of seven. So it's like these instantaneous calls that um, are, are really interesting and challenging that I I think in, if I had to do it again now, I, I'd say I should have left him. Although I, I also sometimes, one of my weaknesses in auctions is I, I get like 
offended if someone gets like too good a deal you know oh i know i know know, it's it's like yeah is no one else gonna bid too is are we really gonna let this guy get the atlanta closer for how who knows how long for a dollar so that i think that's part of it where i um i kind of jumped in and said too so yeah that's a tough battle in your head to um I had to shut that off. I had to shut that off at one point because it kept it kept ringing in my head. Like, oh, come on, you know, fucking go higher. Someone go higher. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. and then I'm just like three. <laughs> just like yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and you know, for the most part, I I I've I've identified it as weakness. I've gotten better, and I've just I've come to accept that um, other people in the auction are, are going to get some really good buys, and as long as it's not on. As long, preferably if it's not on a play I'm really on then it's okay let them do it but every now and then it just uh the instinct takes over yeah I think the one thing um I have to say that I do like about the snake better is that um if you get you know if someone um picks a player that you want and even maybe you were like oh, I'm gonna set the man on this guy and someone does it it's like fine it's one slice it's it's one 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 jab but with the auction you're like i got this guy for 31 and someone says 32 and then you say 33 and they say 34 and it's like multiple jab it's a jab it's two jabs and then a hook it's like multiple (laughs) fuck fuck like you know come on stop doing that you know so um that's that's tough with the auction it's um especially when you really want a player but that's that's what it's there for you know and i think i have to do a better job of um really letting like letting go of uh that that ability to just go and do it like effort this is the why a mini auction you know what's it 34 and 36 it's it's what's the difference you know um i i think i chickened out more often than not when i felt like i should have been more aggressive yeah i don't but, know uh, i think um i think i think the majority of the like the real big bidding wars in an auction i think the winner of the player often is the loser mm. the price um is way price usually is way higher than uh they should be yeah. pay- paying for that player right absolutely so tell me um how it is working with each other in different style drafts in the auction and in the snake draft and like what do you guys have to go through differently in prep and also too like when you're there in the moment um in the auction is one guy uh calling out prices or you know how do you work that out that's a I love yeah, that Mark. yeah, that's a great question. It's really interesting. Um, uh, you know, I think this year it worked out kind of well in a sense. Um, you know, Mike had done a ton of DCs and I did no snakes until like the day before I left for Vegas. So I hadn't done one snake draft the entire off season. I had done uh, several online auction championships though. And Mike hadn't done any of those until right at the end uh, where we, I think we partner on the the 500 DC auction, so we each kind of had faith in the other that they had a little more of the uh, current experience in in the different um, uh, game types. So when we were prepping, you know, um, I tended to defer a little more to him and and thinking on kind of the main strategy, and I think he deferred a little more to me on the auction strategy. Um, you know, until you know, once Vegas had kind of merged and, you know, uh, you know, and Mike had gone to New York also. So he had, he had some, 
additional uh, auction experience from that. So, so I think it depends on kind of what game you're playing as the prep season goes on. And, you know, that gives you a different insight into the economy of each type of, of draft. Um, the second thing is um, Mike's more of the deep dive player evaluation and I'm more of the numbers projection valuation. So that's, that's been, that's, that's a work in progress still, to be honest, trying to merge the two. Uh, Cause Mike has a very keen insight into players and performance and just has an amazing intuition. Um, I do rely more on the numbers. And um, so we, we try to marry those two things. I think the, the projections and the valuations lend themselves more to auction play. So I think Mike's more uh, open to us using, you know, AAV compared to our valuation and looking for uh, those discrepancies as we build our team, where I think for the main, it's a, a little bit different. Um, looking at players we like, uh, looking at kind of roster construction, how many pitchers we want to have at this point, you know, which position do we want to make sure, you know, we're invested in that kind of thing. So, so I think we each bring a little something different to the table, um, which makes us, I think, a really good team, you know, because it's hard to have all the skills. Um, and I mean, there's only one John Posma. I mean, there's only one guy who can like literally do it all and know everything at all times. Um, so it's good having somebody else to kind of uh, think through this with. So um, I'd say that's the biggest like prep difference. And then in, in auction, we kind of rotate through, you know, we'll have one of us do the bidding and the other one, I, I call it running the file, you know, keeping track of all the numbers, players left, helping with nominations, hey, you know, you know, running our projections. Um, so, so the other person can just focus on the room and then we'll switch. This year, since I had two auctions in a row, Mike did the bidding in the first one and I did the bidding in my solo. So that really helped me to not get burned out uh, all day. Mm. The other thing, the last thing I would say is auctions, when you're in a team and you're the one making the bids, I think you you kind of want to make your partner happy um, <laughs> to a certain degree. So if you know your partner is really on someone, I think if you're bidding, you're more likely to go the extra dollar. So Mike did that this year with Kershaw. I think he went a dollar over kind of where I was comfortable. And so far, knock on wood, so good, but... Honestly, if I was doing the bidding there, knowing Mike wasn't quite as high on him, I would have stopped a dollar less because I wouldn't have wanted to push it on a player that I knew he wasn't quite on the same page as me. So mm. that, that's an interesting kind of partner dynamic that I've noticed in auctions where you're willing to go a little further for your partner's guy than maybe for your own guy. Um, you know, in, in snake drafts, it's just like a one-minute conversation. And I don't know, Mike, in all the years we've been doing this, I can't remember more than one or two picks where we didn't agree, you know, uh, in, in a main on, on, on which name to say. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, in addition to everything Mark said, yep. What I would add to it is I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's easier, much easier to partner with someone in a snake. Like if you, like in a snake, you, um, you know, you can kind of map out a strategy and, and to the extent you can't, you, um, you know, you have the time between picks to talk and you see, you know, what what you have, what you need. And you can talk about, OK, you know, these are our top three guys coming back to us in the next round. And, you know, how do we rank them? And, you know, you can kind of you have a little time to get on the same page. And, it, and in an auction, it, everything's instantaneous. Like you have to have, 
you know, kind of a a price on a lot of the player pool. Uh, I mean, they, obviously, there are some guys that, you know, just off our list that we're not going to be bidding, bidding on. But, you know, the the vast majority of the player pool is open to us at the right price. And mm-hmm. so if you haven't, like, really prepped with someone, I think I I've, and really know who you like and, and to what extent you like them, I think it's really tough to kind of team up um, in an auction because it, it's just you just don't have the time. Um, and, and even, like, even, uh, what we do, I mean, we, we prep for our drafts pretty well. We have a pretty good idea where we are on, on most players. And, and we know pretty much, you know, whether the other one, you know, hates is okay with really likes or loves a player. Um, but even then it's still tough knowing, you know, do you, how, how high do you go on these prices? So. Yeah, that's that's. You, you, I mean, you really have to be on the same page for an auction, without a doubt. Because, like you said, it just there's so many things, there's so many players out there too that you know you gotta you, you gotta know at least if you're on the same page a little bit. Um, I only have one shared team this year, and it's an online championship with Ryan Benancio, and we 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 did like a. You know, we talk all the time about players, but the night before the draft, we did about three, four hours Zoom. We, we went through every round. You know, we made a little grid, like each position, which guys we would take each spot, like at, at, at ADP. And we, and then like in the next round, of, like if we wanted to jump a guy at all, we put them in the next round up. And every single round that came, it, it was so easy to, but like that, that prep work was like, amazing you know you just really just iron it out and we'd agreed so much we agreed so much on players that even the players that were kind of didn't like of each other's we it wasn't even worth trying to get the other guy to look like like believe it because like hey it doesn't matter we have all these other guys here that we that we do like so it's not even we don't even have to go there um but i'm finding it i don't know how you guys do it but like I'm finding that the um, the fab is a little more harder than the draft part because, again, like um, you know, we I think we see things different ways. Um, you know, looking for like a rest of season guy or a streamer. Um, and it you know we just have to learn, I guess, the engines and tendencies too. And I'm just, um, you know, I'm mostly right now just. It, like in the OC, I'm playing for the overall. I'm not even paying attention to my league. Like, I just that's that's what I want in the OCs. It's you know, the that's what the prize is there for. Um, the the league win is really, you know, yeah. nothing great. So yeah, so you're yeah. just really going for that, you know, gold. Um, even though last year I finished like 14th in the the OC overall, and I got back what a second place finish in a league got and i think they have to <laughs> i think they have to feather that down a little bit to award um top 15 out of 2500 teams um but that's that's another pod but um yeah so i think that's what we're trying to learn like um like basically every move i'm making is just uh i'm i'm trying to like uh, pay attention to the overall percentages like the 80th and 90th and a little bit. I don't know how you guys. I don't know if you guys pay attention to that, and or like, are you like? I always used to just go off of last year's number, and this year I'm kind of just like, maybe I should just go off of what the current number is and try to catch up to it, or maybe just like, um, 
when in doubt, average it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys have thought of that or if you use that kind of um, mentality at all in, in a, like, you know, draft champion domains and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, much more. Go on, you take it, Mark. You're more stat oriented. Well, first we'll say that Mike and I didn't look at the standings until uh, May first, so we we didn't look we didn't look at any of our standings on any of our teams until May first. I did it at twelve oh one on May first, but yes. Um, so now that being said, I was looking at um, our live standings and so tracking for us so i sent I sent it to mike every sunday you know for the week you know all 10 categories what we did and you know now i'm incorporating you know you know where our standings points are um and we do have it against benchmarks now i did use last year's benchmarks and those are pretty much garbage um to a certain degree <laughs> um but so it's a good point and and we've gone through this you know so right now we're like oh we're behind here and ahead of here but it actually could be even worse than like, we might be even like, I'm almost afraid to look at what it is currently is Rob, because it could just get super depressing that you're like nowhere near where you need to be. I think Mike and I's general philosophy is balanced. So we, I, I just want to, I want to make sure that we're not like falling way behind in some categories and we try to have the most balance we can. So I think it's a fascinating question though. And I don't have the answer as, as to, I'm a, I am a benchmark drafter. Um, but um, in season, I've, I have found that to be more challenging to, it used to not be a problem five years ago, right? You know, it was the same year after year after year. We didn't have to really worry about this. Now it's different every year. So I'm not sure I've come up with the right way to look at it, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to keep track of both, but um it's just uh at this point in in the mains it's 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 coming close to the point where i'm just gonna focus on my league because my oh my god and i know i don't know zach zach, zach waxman um always provides great 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 context into the leagues and with the formats and you know i love how he's tweeting out like where all the top overall finishers in the main event last year we're currently at this time of the year last year, you know, and it was all scattered throughout the 300s, 400s, 200s. So, um, you know, there's still time for that, but I don't like seeing that number next to my team. It, may, it immediately makes me feel like, okay, um, it's not happening yet, but <laughs> it's still a lot of season left. So I got to be a little patient with that. Sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the spending up in the auction. Do you guys uh, spread the wealth, stars and scrubs type players? Does it change? Um yeah, how do you do that? It's um, it's an it's an interesting topic. I think Mark and I, or certainly myself, I I tend to gravitate more towards spread the wealth, and I I tend to do it every year. So I think it must be my um, just kind of where what works for me. I I think I I try on the hitting side to get like at least one big bigger bat just to you know spend money and get one of the top players, but never. Never, rarely like a really high buy. Um, you know, I'll try to get like one thirty dollar player, um, and the rest would be spread the wealth. And I, I do a little more stars and scrubs on the pitching side. I think a lot of times I, I think it's necessary to kind of pay up for at least one ace, if not two. So um, I'm I tend to be I tend to gravitate more towards spread the wealth, but I'll 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 do a little more stars and scrub on the pitching side. And I just, I seem to do it every year. So I, I, that must be just me more than 
kind of the player pool dictating it. I don't know if if other people kind of you know go back and forth every year. Yeah, I I think it's column B for me. It does vary season by season. I let I let the file and you know I, I'm using the term the file. That is my projections and valuations. I let that kind of drive the strategy uh, in, in the auction format. So uh, basically, I'm looking at where my valuations are and what the uh, uh, average auction values are. And if the top end players are good buys, I am happy to go for them right. and go more stars and scrubs. If they are not good buys, you know. Uh, as I look at them, then I won't do it. Um, so it really depends. Um, like I've done, I've done both. I think a more comfortable balanced approach, but I've done both. And to me, it's driven by, um, what the valuations and the AAV is. And this year for me, um, and this, and this will be a good example this year for me, it was clear that it was uh, spread to wealth. Like the top players, hitters and pitchers were massive overpays except for a guy like Otani, who, uh, you know, was my target in, in most auctions. Um, and then, you know, interestingly, I was in the auction with, uh, in Vegas with, with Posma, and he had been doing uh, Stars and Scrubs the entire, um, you know, preseason in the Olax, and he did it again. And guess what? I think we're kind of one-two right now, which is awesome, but he, you can't escape him no matter what. And I, I, I thought maybe he misread it. No, of course he didn't. Because he's able to identify um, cheaper players later. He's a master of fab. So um, either approach can win. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of nine and ten $1 players. I'm more comfortable with like three and four. Yeah. Um, I think if you are better player evaluation, then you could be more comfortable with more $1 players because you have more targets. That's less my skill set. So I try to minimize that weakness by having fewer of those players I have to identify and also not playing DCs anymore. That does limit my, um, the kind of, I have the breadth of the pool, but not the depth. Like I, you know, I, I don't know some of these later round guys as much as I probably should um, from not prepping as much, you know, it, now that I don't do DCs as much. So um, I think, I think, I think the numbers tell you what to do, at least for me. Uh, but either approach can certainly be successful. You know, I have to say something about the DC, um, the draft champions. So, like, I have Eduardo Julian in 12 of, I think, my 13 DCs. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I took him around 47, 45s. And before he started climbing up, climbing up, I, I was still taking him. But when it comes to fab and when he came out of the pool, I nothing about my evaluation of him changed, but I had to remind myself that I loved him because I was getting him in round 47 and yeah. that it was different that he was entering the fab pool. And I was like, don't spend 150, 180 for him, even though I think he's one of the better hitters in the twins organization. Like my love for him was drawn in because of the hit tool and the fact that it was round 47 and Polanco was hurt and just like, you know, Royce Lewis was out and I just saw all this path to like possibly getting there and he was there. Um, and I just, that's one of the things with draft champions that 
Um, I think you have to kind of bring into the fab season. It's like your love for the a specific player has to remain because of why you like where he was in the draft. One thing I wanted to ask you, Mark, you're talking hey, about like, oh, again, Mike, again. I, I, I just wanted to quickly respond to what you said. And I, I, like I do a lot of the DCs. I love the DC format. And honestly, it helps me get through the winter. And it, I just, I <laughs> yeah. find it fun. And, you know, I mean, Give me something to think about all winter. I, That's a T-shirt. I, I yeah, and um, <laughs> but what one one thing I noticed was, you know, when when you draft when you do see DCs for three or four months and you're getting some guy in round 20, 21, 22, I I noticed a number of years ago that um, I'd be reluctant to buy him at round fourteen in the main, but that's where he was going. Yeah. But I'd be like, you know, I. I've been getting this guy in, in the low twenties, uh, you know, for so long. And I got all these shares because I liked the guy, but I wasn't willing to. So I, one of the things I do a while ago is I've, I've now like, I take a several weeks off. Like I I'll do DC, but I, then I'll stop like late February usually. And just last couple of weeks, it's just all kind of main prep. And you want to try to, um, forget the economics of DCs. It's a, it, the mains are, are, you know, or even any any of the um, live events are just totally different animals and uh, different markets. And you 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 can't go by where you what you were paying for DCs and and you know the months leading up to it. Yep, great point. Um, so real quick, from not doing any DCs. And this was the first year I didn't do any. Um, I I felt like I didn't have vapor lock on on a certain strategy or certain players. Like I felt a little freed up for the big events. Um, you know, I'd done some I'd done some online auctions, so I you know I I wasn't like completely coming in cold. But I just felt like I, I didn't have vapor lock, and I didn't I wasn't like so sure or so unsure on on guys and. I don't know. I feel like I had a good Vegas, you know, so, so far, you know, it's working out you know, pretty decent overall. Um, and I don't know, for me, it worked this year just to have a, a clean slate, um, you know, excitement to get guys for the first time, you know, like some, like oh, if you're sad, you have like 73 shares of a guy going into Vegas. It's not like the same buzz to get the guy in Vegas. Like I, uh, maybe this for him, I don't know. <laughs> for me, it wouldn't be, but um, to get a guy for the first time, I was like, Ooh, yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is, it kind of rekindles like the the joy and the love of what we do. You know, sometimes I think, and I do this in football, just kind of overdraft, you know, preseason because it's so easy. And then like, it's just, you know, it just takes a little bit of like kind of the buzz out of it for me. So anyway, I, I'm not sure I would recommend it to everybody, but so far so good for me this year, not doing any. I think Mike was a little concerned, but um, uh, I think I, I think I made up ground in the prep game, you know, uh, and actually I prepped more than I ever had. This is my best prep year ever because I wasn't drafting as much. Good point. Um, so I was actually prepping a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you get stuck into like waiting for the next picks and a slow draft, and like uh yeah, the there's like a different it's a different flow to draft prepping in in between slow drafts. Um, I don't think I wrote this down, but it came up to me as you were talking about setting your um you know your SGP values and working at first AAV, but. Um, in Tanner's, you know, Tanner Bell spreadsheet for everyone who wants to go to smartbaseball.com, several invaluable tools to get there by Tanner. Um, you know, he you have that split on the league setup for pitchers and batters. And I wanted to ask you, like, 
do you set the split versus what people like what the market is or do you set the split versus what you want to spend yeah uh great question uh ariel always talks about this and i think he's right you set it to the economy so i basically will look at the previous x number of auctions um and i will i will put in the spreadsheet i will calculate the split and i will plug in that exact split into uh into into tanner's file by the way that's the best invention since the bible which is you know the original rotisserie book is is tanner's uh file nothing has changed the game for me more than that saving me just dozens and dozens of hours and stress every year now to just use that so i uh, i told him when i saw him just unbelievable innovation in the game um but um how so long I, have you been using it for mark Sorry, how... only, I think this is only my second year, so I was, okay. I was slow yep. to it. Like I was doing it, you can't believe. I had a friend who, really, you know, smart uh, data guy, but it would take us hours to get it matched, and you know, I do manual calculations. Also, the process with Jeff. I mean, having the SGP values in the back of the book instead Amazing. of having to calculate them themselves. Forget about it. It's like that's I would do that by hand. It was just it was just very painful. Um, so I so Rob, I plug it in for what I expect the market to be. Right. And then I I know I can go off of that and do what I want to do. So I don't let that dictate my my approach, because so I'll just I'll just give you an example. Like. I think coming in like the last one I did, I think it was ninety nine dollars on average per team pitching, and I was going to be around one oh nine. Like so I was going ten dollars over what the room was was doing for pitching. So. Knowing that going in, that's just kind of informs how I maneuver around um, what the valuations are, because obviously um, I'm going to have to, you know, buy more pitching that I'm probably, you know, um, comfortable with just because I, you know, um, I don't think $99, you know, gets it done. So anyway, that's how I do it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, they're just, I was just wondering that because it's, it's something I like to play around with. Yeah. And, and it is Tanner's sheet is just, I use the aggregator. I use the SGP sheet and like, I, this is like stuff three years ago. I didn't mess with at all, you know? Um, so, just so Rob, sorry for that example. If you just go back to what I was just saying, if I set it for one Oh nine pitching instead of 99, every pitcher is going to look like a great deal. I'll be like, yes, I'm scooping up all the pitchers and every hitter will look like the worst deal ever. And right. I'll end up, um, I'll end up not getting enough hitting, uh, right. and you could just you could just flop it. So do it to the room, and then you kind of you create your own split that you want that you think yes. you need, and then you just make it work, right? Like if I was going ten dollars over on pitching, I had to go to like, and this is not good for what Mike said to me today, but like Ryan McMahon, like, hey, I got to get a seven to nine dollar third baseman. I can't spend up on on a uh, you know on that position. I have to find. You have to find some, you know, some guys in the low range that allow you to spend more in, 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 in pitching or hitting and just make sure you like them and you think that, you know, it's they're a, reason, a reasonable buy. So, man, we could have just all got Patrick Wisdom for a buck. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Louise. Um, yeah, you'd be nice. So, yeah. so, do you guys ever like reassess your performances um, from past seasons? Like, how do you get into analyzing or if you do, maybe like what your strengths are, what, what you kind of, you know, have to tighten up and, you know, all that fun stuff. You want me to say it, Mike, or no? Well, I, 
I'll, I'll just say for my for my Mark does much more of that than I do. I I um I I mean I try to make note. I try to note what I um you know just very generally what I want to do better at and and stuff. But I I hate looking backwards. I, honestly, I, I just, know you've told me that. <laughs> I just I I just especially like this past year I had a a a real close call uh, in in an overall and I just wanted to put the year behind me and just immediately move, look forward to next year so um so yeah i do very little of it mark does more of that um yeah mike is great he doesn't take the bait from me like i <laughs> i'm always trying to agitate oh, oh we should have done this why don't we do this this is the play and he just he just just he just kind of carries on he lets me vent and then he just we just move on to the next topic like he just he will not take the bait which is a brilliant why i love him he's it's great because um, um, that's not my greatest trait and he's, he's able to handle it. Um, but no, you know, I, I, I do some introspection, um, and some look back. I, I don't like go back in and like run and our, in our, you know, in our square, you know, how good were my projections to, you know, the actual performance, how far off was I on this guy than that guy? I don't get that granular. Um, I think more in kind of large strokes, you know, what was my general strategy? Did that seem to work? Um, you know, one thing that one thing that one area where I think it helped, Mike, was um, I, I think it was last year. It was it was two years ago. I realized, and uh, Rob, you were just talking about this on the pod. I was listening to you uh, before today with you and Dom. You said the same exact thing: is the money you waste on the high single digit, low double digit bids mm. it just go one or two? And so I did an analysis a couple of years ago. And I real I figured out that we wasted about three hundred dollars per team on 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 doing that, just that alone. And I came into last year and I said, hey, "Listen, if we if we just keep to the one two dollar rule here, uh, obviously if you like a guy more, you know, but in general, like your backup bids, the guys you're kind of you know streaming maybe or ambivalent about, we'll save three hundred dollars and then we could blow it all on Josh Lowe, and then it basically <laughs> backfired completely." But um, you know, the general point stands though, right? You could save $300 and make a big splash here or there. Um, if you just resist the urge. So I didn't know that Rob, until I went back and analyzed all yep. my leagues. I looked at the fab, the runner up bids, and I realized, oh my God, it's all being wasted on those low, on those low dollar guys. So that's, that's, that's one advantage of an introspection or some, or some reflection. Um, I like to do it ongoing too, just kind of keep thinking through, I mean, just just this year, to be honest, Mike was doing all the DCs, and he was he was rightfully convinced that the pitcher market was going to be different. And I just kept saying, Mike, you and I have done enough main events for enough years. We know people's mentality and psychology. They're gonna they're gonna revert back to the you know they're gonna regress back to the norm and do what they always do. And I think just by me kind of you know kind of priming that you know. I think Mike's first draft, he kind of got caught off guard. But after that, I think he was right on point and he kind of was able to integrate, you know, what was happening now to kind of what he, you know, what he had seen happening. So that's another advantage of having a partner who maybe thinks a little bit different. He could bring up some different ideas that you, you ultimately integrate. Great point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's the fab, the fab stuff is, I, I, I went back and looked at that too. That's why I brought that up with Dom because I couldn't believe how many thirteen and eleven dollar bids I had, where I could just like I didn't 
this is a one or three dollar player, but he just something you know happens on Saturday or Sunday, and you're like, oh, I have to get this player for you know have to have to, and it's like no, you really don't. And even did the analysis of how many times, um, like I like I actually didn't even use a player that I spent money on, you know, and yeah. I was like this 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 has to stop. So, um, and you know. I'm gonna regret this, but you know, I dropped Bryce Miller in uh week three. I didn't draft him. He was drafted by someone else and dropped in week one and I picked him up in week two because I had Robbie Ray and he got hurt and uh then I dropped him for Chris fucking Bubich. And uh now it's gonna be painful trying to get him back. But hey, what yeah. are you gonna do? It happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. if you if you don't have some bad drops every season, you're you're not doing it right. He did. I I was just watching him last night, and and obviously he's fantastic. But he also looked like Doug Drabeck, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, and he looked cheesy exactly, mustache. Yeah. yeah, all I saw was the 1986 tops card and good old <laughs> Doug Drabeck, um, in the picture there. But um, that that's that's great. So let's get into like the differentiation in in prepping for each the snake in the auction. Like, um, you know, you do your SGPs and you do your rankings. Um, how how do you fit that all into coming up with a ranking for a player? And then, like, how do you um, integrate also, like, what makes a reserve round player versus, like, a dollar player? Because that's what I think I fucked up um, in my first auction. I had these, like, my, my $1 ads at the end were should have just been reserve players, but I'm like, I just want to get them before someone get them in the snake draft and they just snake reserve and they just weren't really draftable. Like I ended up figuring that out after the fact because those are just horrible picks. I don't know guys where you want to start, but you know, pick pick something and we just run with it. You want to go Mark or you want me to start? Uh, you go ahead. Um yeah, that's, there's a lot in there. Um, so as Mark mentioned earlier, we have very different approaches and we try to merge it together. And I think I think it's a strength, not a weakness that we have the difference. I, I am more of a um, subjective analyst. I, I watch just a shit ton of baseball. I mean, I, I just um, whenever I can, I have the games on and I have the, you know, the, the grid screen with the eight games going on at once and. I track everything. I, I love baseball. And um, so I, a lot of my judgment and evaluation is from watching players. And um, I just, I, I every off season, I kind of do fresh deep dives on the player pool, you know, player by player. I, you know, I'm, I'm just so rigid. I, I just, you know, I start with catcher and I go first base, second base, third base, short outfield. And um you know, I, I dive into each of the players and um, and then I start, you know, slowly ranking them. And, um, you know, I, I I always try to, like, be open and, and learn more. And I'm constantly changing it. I don't get rigid, but I that's kind of how I, I relearn the player pool every year. And um, and then I, I, you know, start doing DCs and I, I start putting my rankings to the test and uh, refining it based on where the market is and stuff. and um, and then, and that's kind of how I prep for the season. And then, and Mark it, Mark is plays football, and so he usually I'm I'm like three four three months into baseball before I, you know he's turning the page, 
and then it's he's catching up and uh diving you know he's um kind of reading all my deep dives and um kind of learning that while also working with the projections and the numbers and he's more of a numbers person and uh and then we try to merge the two i it's funny when we talk and we, you know, we we start talking strategy. We'll we'll be talking about a player or a strategy, and he says things, and I just think of snakes. And mm-hmm. but he's everything he says, he's talking about auctions. It's like um, he thinks in auctions, and I think in snakes um, when we talk about players. But um, you know, then you know when when he gets his when he does his work with the projections and the valuations, I. I try to then take a fresh look at my rankings and see am I way higher or way lower on certain players. And if I'm and if I am and there's a big variance, then I I dive back into the player and you know, sometimes it's no, I really like this guy. I think the projections are wrong or off. And or sometimes I'm just, you know, I'm off. I'm I'm giving certain things too much weight when I'm ranking players and um or I'm I'm not looking at the num- certain numbers enough. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of revise my opinion of them. And it's kind of an iterative process, I'd say, uh, getting ready for drafts. And, you know, we all, and, you know, we share two or three teams a year now. We, we uh, one or two years, we got up to like five and it was too much, you know, because it, it takes more time talking through fab and lineup decisions and everything. So we, we take, we have two or three teams and um, together. And so we try to merge our, you know, preparation and, and views on players uh, to get the best teams we can. And we also have solo teams. So, you know, if there's, there's certain guys that I hate that Mark really likes, you know, he's going to grab them for his solo teams and vice versa. So, you know, we kind of, have our own thing, but then we also kind of try to merge our processes together to um, for our share teams. Yeah, it's a good good summary. You know, I yeah. So basically, Rob, I I generate the valuations. I also have a dollar value in each player, and then really the rankings are just basically that. You know, I just yep. turn them into ranks, and I don't I don't go back through my file and move. You know move a guy up, move a guy down, I like him more. I mean, I kind of intuitively know that. So I am, in, in snakes, I'm absolutely not a slave to the rankings. I honestly don't really look at them that much when I'm when I'm drafting a snake. In an auction, I'm definitely looking at my valuations. There's no question. I'm, I'm trying to keep within a range. I know I'm going to go over on a few guys. Um, I know I'm going to get some great deals. I know I'm going to go retail, uh, you know, on certain guys. So I kind of know that. Um, and I do use the valuation. Hopefully by then I've internalized it. So I kind of know everyone's number just from doing a bunch of, you know, online auctions and, and just looking at the file over and over again for a few months. Um, but, but Mike's deep dives are hugely helpful. Uh, and as you said, I'm, I'm knee, knee deep in football until end of December. And then um, to have that available to me is, is a blessing because it's so detailed. He, you know, he, he's, you know, he's, he's added to it over the years. He brings in some stack gas, you know, he, he has, he has some other metrics in there. So it's that, he has bullets on every player. Um, it's um, Mike. After you win the main this year, you could sell that no, for no. a bunch. Um, no. Put it on the uh, part of the Meatball Mafia. I think this is a this is a Meatball <laughs> Mafia uh, deliverable for next year. I, I love it. I love By it. By the way, yeah. I love that you're a vegetarian, right? You're a veg. You're a veg. Yeah. And that you're 
brand is the meatball mafia. I mean, <laughs> it tells you you're pretty smart because if you brand it like the tempeh mafia or the tofu mafia, yeah, that right. just does not work. So not you, work. I, I give you a lot of credit there for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It is. It is very ironic. Some people are pointing it out for me, and my wife said the same thing. She said that it's really hysterical. Um, you know, like yeah, it's just. I I wrote I've always used that term meatball like it's just uh, I've named I named my first pug named meatball you know it's just it's in me I'm meatball all the way but uh yeah that that is that is very it, tempeh mafia is not you get the thing. chicken parm tier I might jump in you know <laughs> um, growing up in Jersey we would go to Marlboro Pizza we'd get one chick parm and one meatball parm and we nice. cut them in half and we each get half and just. Yeah. There was nothing better than that. I mean, literally, Jersey, Jersey pizza, Jersey subs, best. Jersey best. sub, man, yeah, hundred percent. Yep, I I absolutely agree with that. Um, man, see, I I had a question too. I was ready there. I was ready to dial up. Yeah. I I totally got thrown off by the by the Tempe <laughs> Mafia, but that's a good one. Um, so, oh oh yeah, um, with the sheet, with Tanner's sheet. I, wanted to say like um it kind of i like to do deep dives on players too because um you know uh i was a i'm big into like the baseball hq mayberry method the ron chandler babs and i kind of like just started to marry that now i'm a little more like more projection driven and then i'll do my dive from that so that's what i've been doing the last couple of seasons but Tanner's sheet gives gives you that starting point for me. Um, that uh, initially when I plugged everything in, and you know when the projection system started to come out, and I was aggregating them, and I was plugging it in, I said, "Oh, okay." Like everyone's complaining about third base, but Yandy Diaz is a hundred points um, over his projected slot, and then that starts my dive. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, like Yandy, he doesn't need this extra power that everyone wants to be this valuable. Okay, great. I, I don't mind waiting on him for third base. Like, what else do I see? And then, and that just goes into a third base dive. Okay. Like, so I can afford to maybe pick from this area, but then if it's fine, I got Yandy waiting here. Kind of like the same way with middle infield. I, I really loved Stott and I really loved Kim. And, you know, the projections, you know, they weren't really like too big on Stott. That was more of like me driven into that. And it's the one thing I really love about that tool too. Like I, I don't think I'm a playing time expert at all, but I do love how you could just change it just to see like the, the same, it's like steamer 600, right? Um, You, you just want to see like, Oh, what, what can this guy do if get 600 plate appearances? And that's what I think that tool is valuable for Um, just to plug in. Like, all right, I think this guy might get, this side of the platoon, blah, blah, blah. And you change it up to like from 175, that's the projection system zone to like 425. And they're like, oh, okay, that's a pretty good middle infielder. And if you trust that, the like, again, if you could read the organizations well and you can kind of forecast the playing time or, you know, just believing in the skill set. And then that's, you know, it, it's huge for that. I, I, I love that about that. Yeah, we use that, you know, um, no matter how long you prep, you always run out of time. I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And, you know, like, I don't think we went over as many players as we would have liked for playing time, but we definitely 
had a bunch. And what I would tell Mike is like, let's plug this in. And if the number still was like retail, I'm like, okay, we're buying him at his floor. Like this is the lowest, you know, reasonable playing time projection. He's still looking like, you know, a good retail buy. And we know anything over that is gravy or the other way around. Um, okay. We're, but this guy is at the absolute top. Like, um, we're going to lose, we're going to lose on this player if, if the playing time, you know, is, is, is any lower. So we try to use exactly that range method, I guess you call it to, um, know where you can feel comfortable. Um, you know, certain guys just would fall out because like, it's just, you, you couldn't really make it make sense. It has yep. to make dollars and cents to me as, as well as just sense as far as, you know, how you like the player. So, um, that's a, that's a fen- phenomenal feature. Yes. And then the coolest thing is that it, it took me a few times. It stays in there. Like you make the change once and you go back the next time with new projections and guess what? It's still in there. So it's just unbelievably efficient and he makes it just so easy. The guy's a genius. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, that's something you got to be careful about, you know, because if you, if something changed from when you tried that little uh, project or you like, you know, you, you wanted to see a, a player's full projection set and you plug in that new one and you're in the draft you're like oh i'm a fucking you know oh this guy's a steal right here but then you're like oh wait a minute <laughs> i adjusted that and that might be different maybe something changed maybe a player signed you know um to block that playing time so i i've learned to kind of um make sure that i go through it and uh that's a good double in. check because like Got if you still have to take the grom 200 innings in there you're not going to be happy uh <laughs> no take the you grom. left that in there Oh man. Had to go there. I had to go there. Before we get into some instincts and talk, do you guys have a preference of your live events like structure? Like do you like to do certain drafts at certain time? Do you just take what's available and do it in, you know, in that sequence? Like I did the auction last and my that goal was to just get whoever I didn't get all draftees in and I made a list. You know, I had a little list on my on my Google Sheets. It was like you know, 15 guys. It was like five that I wanted more than the other 10. And, uh, yeah, I remember, I, Phil, I remember Phil was sitting next to me and he goes, he tapped me. He goes, what happened to your list? Because <laughs> like everyone I highlighted, I didn't get, I like that. I'm like, they went for too high. He goes, but that's why he did the auction. And he was like, he made a good point to me. It's like, I, I, I don't know why. Like I had Nico Horner. He was the guy I wanted. I had a med Rosario everywhere. And Nico, like that was my two points in the and in, in all drafting season was either get a med or wait a little bit for Nico. And what was happening was in a lot of the drafts, I, like I got caught in the middle. I didn't take a med, and someone took Nico immediately, or like it went a med and Nico, and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't get any one of them. And I guess my whole point was his AAV was like, whatever, 12, 13. And he went for like 17. And of course, <laughs> someone had the same plan that I did. <laughs> Just like, yeah. no, I'm getting Nico Horner in this draft. One of them was spring. So, I mean, that kind of worked out, I guess, in my favor. But um, just... I don't know why I did that. I, you know, a lot of the guys would just went literally for more than I was ready to go for. And I couldn't make that switch in my head to say, yeah, this is why I did this draft. This is why I'm, you know, it's a YOLO draft, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it, there's definitely a lot of considerations. I mean, part of it is you want to maximize your, your fun. I mean, honestly, I, I love when, uh, you know, all the options come out and I try to start thinking about how I'm going to fill my dance card. But, um, you know, I, I try not to do more than one auction a day. I could 
I could do many snake drafts. I could do an auction as snake. Um, one year, I think Mark and I doubled up on two auctions in a row. And I, I, I think that's a really ambitious day. Um, it is. So, um, you know, I mean, part of it is uh, just, you know, the days and, um, you know, I started doing the Friday, the 9 a.m. auction in New York City. And I, I like that. I'm an early riser. And I do the um, the ultimate in the evening. So I, I've i never done like the 2.30 super auction. I think that you were in this year because it just kind of finishes. Like, I don't want to be kind of making my reserve round picks a few minutes before the ultimate, you know? So I, I kind of like having, getting up early, doing the uh, the 9 a.m. and then taking a, a break. Uh, you know, my daughter's down in the city, so I try to see her sometimes during that break on a Friday and, uh, you know, just relax and kind of get my thoughts straight for the um, for the ultimate in the evening. And um, I, I don't know, the last couple of years in Vegas, we kind of like uh, doing the Thursday main, make Friday, uh, do an au auction on Friday, um, maybe a, a, a main and an auction on Saturday. Um, I think each one of us has kind of succumbed to doing a draft after Vegas, and that's kind of like our our uh, FOMO draft to some extent. Mm. Um, and um, I don't know. I guess that's how kind of how I think about it. Yeah, um, that was a, yeah, that was. A, oh, sorry, good. Good. Oh, no, no, yeah, I was good. I just wanted to touch up on that Friday in New York. Like I, I was. I had my draft at two thirty. The ultimate, um, a part of the team with Steve and Phil, but they have more of a stake in the league. So I was the tiebreaker every now and then. I was just, you know, I, I'm, I'm involved, but it's, it's just, I didn't have to be all mentally there. I think I was actually falling asleep during the draft because I was exhausted. But I was there for that. <laughs> I was there in that nine a.m. draft. With, you know, uh, yeah, I was hanging out with, with Steve. Steve. I was, I was right yeah. next to you, and my that was, you know, goal to like again, like. Support Steve if he needs it. Uh, really doesn't need it, but just mostly just like asking each other like real quick questions, um, on the fly. But um, it was mostly just to like track the values, you know. So I basically drafted, um, like I felt like I was drafting because I tracked every single player value, and then quickly tried to you know utilize that into my draft next. But I was wiped by the end of the night. I mean, I took a train home. A jersey and I good thing I set my alarm because I would have never woke up at my stop. I was done. That's a long day. Uh, yeah. three drafts, two drafts is a lot, even when you're not fully in it in it. And I think that's I think um that that last draft being a snake draft, it was if it was an auction, I would have been a little more awake. But it was a snake draft. I'm like in between the picks. I was just like <sighs> <laughs> done i think albright next to like across from me was just like he tapped me once like are you falling asleep i was like i think i am <laughs> well, they, say, they say fantasy sports isn't a sport but you know you have to be hydrated you have to be stressed <laughs> out you know you have to you gotta be you know, there's, there's a lot of mental gymnastics you have to do it is definitely a sport there's no question about it um, <laughs> uh, um it's a great question um because it's, um, I think there's some psychology to it. So, so for example, 
me and Mike share, Mike and I, yeah, I'm, I'm an English major. Um, Mike and I shared the, um, the Thursday night main uh, in Vegas. And then we had the Friday morning auction together. So we were, I can't remember even our draft spot now. Um, I think it was 10 or so, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. We, you know, we were Otani. Like, we're like, well, if we get Otani, if he somehow falls to us tonight, do we then go for him in the auction, right? You know, like right. it was, so because, you know, you, you want to have some diversification at the top, you know, typically. Um, so the order does matter, right? Because let's say we did an auction first. Well, it's totally up to us, you know, let's get him. And the funny thing is, we got, we ended up with Vlad, we didn't get Otani. And then the next morning, you know, we did the auction. And so we're doing two big leagues together. And our number was like 38 on Otani. All of a sudden I hear Mike say 40. I'm like, all right, here we go. And uh, we, and you know, I mean, I was fine with it. I, I mean, I've been pumping him the entire time. Oh, please, race. please. If we, if we left without a shared Otani yeah. share, I would have, I would have heard about it from you for six months. That's the point. I mean, exactly. Because that was our, that was our final draft together. So like it was either do or die right there, you know? So, so it, it's interesting. It, it, it does like, it's almost better to have that snake first. And like, if it, if it falls to you, it falls to you instead of like, I'd rather force it. As you said this Rob earlier, I'd rather go the extra dollar or two and force it a little bit in an auction and force it in a snake. You know what I mean? So yep. I think you can rationalize that a little more. So I, th I think having the snake first is helpful. And then, um, you know, as far as like the first big live events, um, I did two auctions in a day. I typically do. It's, uh, it's psychotic. It's absolutely psychotic. Um, and then I do the midnight madness on top of that. So, uh, that's, that's the craziest day of my year. Um, that's about 13 or 14 hours of drafting, but what a, what a rush. It's so much fun. I mean, I could, I'm not, I'm not too old where I can't make it like one 20 hour period of just like concentration and fun. So, um, but generally I'd say you, if you can avoid two auctions in a day, do it, but it's hard, you know, they don't offer that many live auctions. You know, you, you have to jump in, you know, when you can and where they're offered. And if it's two in a day, you just have to adapt and you have to adjust and you have to just, you know, be mentally prepared for it. Definitely is a mental, what a rush. I mean, I, I want to do it again now. You know, I just want to yeah. draft again now. Just like yeah. just that whole experience, because they're just being there, going from draft room to draft room, watching what other players are doing, how they draft, the way they draft, right? Um, Sean Johnson with the papers, um, yeah. other guys with like a fold up board. I love that. That's so fucking cool to see. I just experiencing that is just like, joy it's just pure joy like this is awesome to see everyone in their little ways and their little setups um it, it's it's really it's really dynamite man they they should have some second chance leagues again i i need a i need a i need to start <laughs> over can i get a second chance auction oh man that 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 would be nuts um <laughs> i think i think i spend 180 on pitching right now <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's, it's wild all right so in season moves i'm having this like little brain hedge when i see like this dollar of value fixed to a player obviously it's not on the player page but i i remember what i paid for a player and i'm just wondering like should that inform my uh ad drop decisions like should i be should i even think about that should i even worry that this was a six dollar player versus uh you know was that a 20th round pick like do you guys ever think of anything like that or am i just shouldn't pay attention like the player is not doing it and just like you just have to move on 
Well, let me jump in first because Mike's answer is going to be less. Uh, <laughs> he's going to say, uh, um, and he's, he's. I think he's right, but okay. uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take the counter argument, which is, yeah, I think it's natural to think about it a little bit. Um, so I, I threw an example out here of the Oscars, uh, Oscar Colas and Oscar Gonzalez, and yep. you know I went and looked, and Colas was more like a six dollar player in, in in the big in the big auctions, and Gonzalez was like you know. A, one to three dollar player, okay. Well, which player got dropped first this year? It was Oscar Gonzalez by weeks. Um, you know, Colas just got sent down, so I'm sure he'll be dropped. Maybe some, possibly people still might hold on to hope, but you know, um, so I think that's that's an example of how it does. Whether it should matter, it does. I think. I think you could see people's patterns, right, of how they make decisions, right, and. Clearly, both were struggling all season. It, it, neither one ever took off, and they still might, but you know they haven't to this date. And people have different reasons for liking, you know, each guy. They're not, they're not identical players, but you know, Colas was valued a little higher. Um, but uh, I, I, I was, I was agitating Mike to drop Gonzalez in like week two. Like I was, I was already like same with like Abisel Garcia. Like a couple oh, one and two. So it's a perfect example. Um, I was more than happy to dump Garcia after the first like half week. Uh, I could already tell that this was not the guy that from two years ago. And yeah, that's a little bit of a snap call and probably a little too aggressive, but if he was a $6 player, I probably would be thinking it, but I wouldn't pull the trigger on that. I would mm -hmm. give him an extra week or two. So I think it does matter, but I don't think it's necessarily right. I'm just saying, I think people do do that. I do that. I would hold a guy a couple extra weeks if I spent higher draft capital on him. And I'm not sure if it matters snake or auction snake. I'm um, auction just a little bit easier to kind of clarify in your mind. Like what's the difference between a 18th round player and a 13th round player. Like that's, that's for me harder to know. Like I might in my head, I'm like, Oh, top 15 rounds. I got to hold them, you know? So I, I have some kind of metric in mind, but so I'll throw it to Mike, but that's, so I think it does matter. I think people, their behavior shows that it matters, but I'll let Mike, I think, take the opposite point that it shouldn't matter. And I think he's he's generally correct. It's a sunk cost. Yep. <laughs> well, I, you know, I understand the mentality. I understand it. And um, I mean, I guess to the extent that the relevancy is, um, you know, the higher you drafted a player or the more you invested in him, you know, presumably the player's, you thought was better to start the season. You liked him more. So maybe you give him uh, more, more time to turn things around, but, you know, um, yeah, Dan Kenyon is a, a friend of mine. He's one of, uh, I have a bunch of friends on a, a, a longstanding um, uh, text chat. And, um, but I, early on, uh Dan was kind of a mentor to me when I was just start getting into the NFBC. And one of Dan's big pet peeves was the, the total misuse of the word value. And like yeah. people yeah. would, people would say, you know, Oh, this is a, you know, a, a second round player. And I got him in the fourth round, you know, what a great value, you know, I mean, Mark doesn't think his uh, third round Soto is a particular value right now. Um, so, um, you know, it's like the value is at the end of the season when you see what they've done, not not at the beginning. And right. um, it's perceived I, you know, value, right? Perceived yeah, and, value, right? And like once the 
once the season starts and you you start following your guys, I mean, does it really matter whether you got some guy in round eight or round twelve or round sixteen? I mean, do you even remember for for some guys winning where you got them? I mean, it, it's just to me, it's like always looking forward, like what's what's going to be the um, the best uh, team going forward. Um, and, no, that but, you makes know, sense. Yeah, and it's but it's you know. And it's it's really an individual. I I think don't worry about the price and the uh, you know the the auction price or the draft price, but look at look at the player. Like, do you really want this player? Is is the case for the player the same now as it was when you drafted the player? Because um, I mean, we I mean we struggle with it all the time, and God knows we make enough mistakes. But um, you know, in the beginning of the season, players are breaking out. There's there's unexpected people, you know, getting bigger roles. And so you can really, you know, if you want, there's an argument to be made to, you know, be aggressive and jump on some guys. And, you know, the more guys you jump on, the more guys you got to drop to get them. And, you know, I mean, last year, I mean, it wasn't even a guy that we particularly loved, but the, the guy I'm thinking of is, is Miles Mikolas was a kind of a, a late round pick for us on a shared team, you know, we kind of liked him, wanted to see what he could do, but he wasn't a target. He wasn't anyone we really liked. But I think he had like a one blow up start early. We were like the hell with him, and we we um, we dumped him. I f- forgot who we picked up. No one who did anything for us. And we watched Nicholas have like this really you know strong, valuable season. And so it's really a balancing of um, you know how soon do you cut a guy. Um, um, but I don't know that that what you paid for him three weeks or a month or two months earlier should really be weighed that much in the decision. Okay, so I could drop Tyler O'Neill. Fuck it. I don't care if I spent eighteen dollars. He's a dud. I, I think it's a great point. I was I was gonna bring up a <laughs> different one, but I'd love to talk about him because it's interesting. So I've been stashing Ranger Suarez and Carlos Rodon on like so many teams. Okay. I paid I didn't get it. I didn't get Rodon the auction, and that, that's another interesting psychological game, right? Like I was okay drafting him in the main in the sixth round because I was in the psycho main where, where pitching just was completely gone, and I made a bad, uh, impulsively bad decision. But nonetheless, but I would not pay fifteen or twenty dollars from an auction like like that different that specific number on a player. I just can't. You know what I'm saying? So I have no. I have no like late. I have some Olac Rodon shares, but. Here's the thing. Rodon's having setback after setback. And am I dropping him? Hell no, I'm not dropping him because I got him in the sixth round or I paid $15. If if we flip him and Ranger Suarez and Ranger Suarez has been having all of these setbacks and I paid $2 for him and like, like 20th, whatever round, he would have been gone weeks ago. It's not even, it's not even a question. So you could say it's a sunk cost. You could say four weeks or it doesn't matter, but it absolutely does. I mean, my at least for me, my behavior definitely is affected by that. And uh, I'm holding a guy now in Rodon who probably won't pitch maybe this whole year, maybe pitches a month. Who who, who knows at this point? Um, but I'm, but you know what I'm saying. So and you know, same with a guy well, like O'Neill. You take you take the word ton off of his name, and you would have dropped him weeks ago. A guy who's playing every other day and doing nothing. What is the point, right? So yep. So let, so let me tell you the other perspective. So like I I say I could say, yeah, let's 
you should hold on to Radone, not because of what you paid him, paid for him or what round you got him in, but you hold on to him because you think that if he comes back, whether it's after six weeks or eight weeks or even 12 weeks, if he's giving you at least three months, he can be an ace. So he could be a difference maker. Um, so that's why that's the keys for holding him. I think not what you paid for him, but his going forward. You know, I, I could say looking back to see what you paid for him or what your investment was. I think the, the argument is looking forward, he can make a difference. So he's worth, you know, p- wasting a spot on your bench for yeah. a month or six weeks. Whereas Ranger Suarez, you know, has a much lower upside. And so if he's not coming back in the next week or two, it's not a big deal to cut him. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a different perspective. I think it's a good perspective. I mean, but, you know, the dollar value or the round you bought him in basically represents that, right, Mike? I mean, that, that, that sure. amount you paid for the players representing his current and what you well, think is future. Well, no, no. So so I think that Tyler O'Neill is a great example. You you look at Carlos Rodon, and even though he's hurt and you don't know when he's coming back, if he gets back or when he gets back, you, you're expecting him to be an SP1. You're expecting him to be an ace, or at least you think that's within the realm of possibilities. Now, Tyler O'Neill was taken maybe a little bit after Rodon, but still in the same general area. I would, I could argue right now that his going forward um, outlook is materially different. Like Rodon is the same before the season, except he's hurt. But when he's back, you think he's going to be the same pitcher. And maybe that's a fallacy that I think we all fall into that, when an injured player comes back, they're they're going to be what you thought they were, and that doesn't always happen. But um, but Tyler O'Neill now, you know, when he's playing, he's not doing anything. His manager is making questionable decisions. He's being platooned because they have too many kind of mediocre outfielders. And instead of you know letting certain guys like Edmund and O'Neill and certain others be full timers or almost full timers, they're constantly being yanked in and out of the lineup which probably hurts the performance of all of them when they do play. Yep. Um, and the, the team is looking like crap. And so you could say Tyler O'Neill is not going to be the 30-15 player I was hoping him to be. So maybe you cut him. I'm not saying, Rob, that you should cut him necessarily because, you know, he could get traded, the manager could get fired. You know, things can oh, happen. Please, please. And um, yeah, and, and you know, it obviously it depends on well, if you cut him, who are you who are you getting for him? Is it worth it and what your team looks like? But yeah, I think I think you can make the case that even though they had a somewhat similar cost at draft time, that O'Neill looks very different um going forward than Ron might look. That's a great point. I totally agree with that. Did uh, Clay Holm blow a save? Is that what happened? I just I just look at the box score real quick. Yes, he did. He it's, did. It's, it's oh, Michael oh, King season. It is, but I know. <laughs> or it should man, be for, I, I hope if, so. If, if he's available yeah. in the leagues. Yeah, yeah, I picked. I him got up. him in a couple of ACs uh, this past yeah. week, but I, I didn't get him in the mains. Yeah, I I I got him on a on one team, so I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. Two weeks what? ago, I think I was a. Uh, I, I don't know. Mike was definitely off of Holmes. Like you know, I I, I go to him for the you know for the Yankee uh, intel, and um, 
he was definitely not, uh, you know, he was definitely not a Holmes back for the whole off season. So, you know, we didn't even really consider him in ours. I think I had just one share. Um, although he didn't tell me about how good Volpe was going to be. So I, he has to <laughs> hold him to that one. Volpe's getting hot. Yeah, I... Volpe's getting hot and he's not going anywhere either. He's going to lead off for the team for yeah. the whole season. Just uh, Italian, he's a Italian kid from Jersey playing shortstop in the Yankees. I mean, you'd really have to like something would have to really be bad for him to move out of that whole spot. Like he's firmly in it now. That's it. Yeah. There's no going back. You know, he he picked he picked his finger already. Um, so, um, Mark, you had a um something that you wanted to get into talking about the different economies of Fab in the different formats, and I thought that was very very cool point. Um, because I see it and in, in the Fab, and um, so. Tell us what you you know what's on your mind about that. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Yeah, so I think I think we had a good conversation on the drop mentality. I think that was really good to talk about what role, if any, should your previous decisions impact your current decisions around dropping a player. So I like that. So the, the other thing is um, just I think a different economy in the fab market for. Let's just talk about main events and auction championships. So I, I think one difference is the overall in the main is more coveted. It gets more attention. Um, it kind of what sets you apart. Um, I think most people who've been playing serious at FBC could name, if you asked them to like name the last 10 main event winners, they could maybe get five to seven or eight, you know, if you ask them in the last 10 auction championship winners, they'd maybe get two. Um, so what, why I think that's important is people are chasing the overall in the main a little more than they chase the overall in the auction championship. Auction championship is still super prestigious. Believe me, I would love, 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 love to win that. Um, but I think that plays into the aggressive, uh, you know, uh, the aggressiveness and the mindset of, of, uh, of people during FAB where, um, you know, you mentioned earlier for the OC, you're playing for the overall. You're going to be more aggressive on the needle movers, guys that you think can be difference makers for the rest of the season. You are going to be ready and willing to spend up on those players um, because you're playing for an overall, not just for the league. So I think that leads to some more aggressiveness. And, um, you know, I just looked a very unscientific sample. Uh, of just my two mains <laughs> and my two auctions, I'm sure. I'm sure Waxman is going to cringe because he could do them. You know, he could have done. The, he could have done this the entire thing in Excel, but in the time it took me to like get out my abacus to figure this out. But um, in my two mains, 378 on average for each team, 319 average per team in the auction. So about 16. percent This would be good for for Dom, by the way. He seems like he could figure this out. You know, mm -hmm. we talked today about like the different league variation i think auction compared to um main the only problem is they don't let you ferret out the the auctions to olax and and, and acs i think it would take more deep diving but anyway it so yeah. right there we're five weeks in six six fab periods in and you have a 16 percent less being spent on the ac so i think part of what explains that is just the overall component and that being a little more prominent and how people play in the um so what does that mean? Well, that means you can get the big guys for a little less in the ACs. And, you know, 
you can look at all of the you know the the huge bids the last two or three weeks, and I think generally the auction price is just a little bit less, maybe fifteen, you know, ten to twenty percent less. So don't just don't just make the same bids, you know, if you have an auction or a main, you know, you know, vary it a little bit. I think you could get away with a slightly lower bid in an AC and still be aggressive and still win the player, but you don't have to, you know, just say, Oh, you know, I'm going three thirty for both. Like, you know, you're, you're likely going to overpay a little bit in the AC just because I think people don't quite spend up on the big players as they do in the other ones, you know, probably in the mid and low tier, it's probably not very different at all. You know, this might just be an upper tier kind of di dynamic. You know, if you, if you figure the top guys are like are that 16%, then that means it's pretty much even the rest of the way. So I'm not saying, oh, it's it's five and it's 10 in a main, it's two in an auction. You know, I think, you know, at, at that level, it's probably pretty closer. The answer is probably always one or two dollars, as we talked about earlier, um, not ten dollars. So I think I think that's interesting. What I wanted to ask you guys about, and I, I was trying to think about this today, is well, let me know if you disagree with any of that, but also. Is the fab pool any different? Meaning, are there different players, like the the like the, the the seven bench spots? Are those being used differently in mains as opposed to auctions? Are people stashing more pitchers because of how pitching crazy the mains are? And that means maybe in the AC you can get some different pitchers that aren't being hoarded. You know. Does that affect the economy? I'm curious your, your thoughts on, on, on that one. Mike? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to hoard pitching in all, all formats. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 rough going out there. I am uh I am I I think the strategy of hoarding starting pitching makes sense in this environment. I am uh I you know I I try not to make bad drops or at least try to put a lot of thought into my drops, but um, I, I try to be really careful when I'm dropping starting pitchers um, and try, you know, uh, unless the situation really demands otherwise to be getting back a starter if I'm dropping a starter. Um, just because I want to avoid the creep and make sure I have enough starting uh, pitchers. And, um, and, and, you know, we are just talking about Michael King. I think, I'm I'm finding myself more and more either streaming or or keeping one really skilled you know reliever just to avoid bad matchups. I just I I think I think there was a time long ago when um, maybe it was easier to stream starting pitching, and now I think um, it's really really challenging. So um, so yeah, I I mean I find myself you know my my most desirable bench would be you know five pitchers two hitters or if i if i'm fortunate enough to have enough flexibility in my hitting and have enough multi eligible guys i would go six pitching one hitting um so is that kind of what you're getting at yeah yeah i'm yeah i'm i'm at the like well, the, the five and, I, and two yeah and, and honestly i i i i know i have teams where i have four bench bats i mean i i it's not this is my aspirational goal, not what I'm successfully accomplishing in every league. It's just what I'm trying to yeah. get to. Yeah, that I mean, I think that's important. I, I was actually talking more about does people's bench strategy differ from a main and an auction, and does that change the player pool? And I, I think it might a little bit. Uh, I think the AC 
player uh, fab pool is a little bit different um, than the main um, in, in in some maybe very small ways. But um, anyway, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said as far as hoarding pitching, you know, not making dumb drops like Drew Smiley after one bad start for, I don't know, maybe Adam Adovino. I would avoid that if I could. Oh, I could tell my that, younger that's you did. like three weeks ago, I would tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> Now, every, find... every, every time Drew Smiley has a good start, I get like 10 texts from Mark. Um, That's like five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like um, uh, this, the closer reliever um, pool is different. And I guess that would be from, again, maybe in an auction league playing for uh, more of the standalone aspect and teams not really trying to have, you know, you'll get more of the punt save teams perhaps. Um, so I've, I, I, I've seen that disparity. And also I think the two-start pitching bidding is a little different as well. Um, and maybe, again, that's for the standalone aspects. So maybe it, that kind of goes hand in hand with teams pumping saves um, and just loading up on, you know, innings and Ks and trying to get wins. Um, and in, in the main event, I feel like those kind of pitchers, you'll be more um, willing to hold on if they have a good two-step than maybe if they're not like the kind of holdable types where you're like, ah, you know, you kind of want to move on, but maybe in the main event now, it's just getting more of a, in that hold holding format. Um, and it seems like too, um, and again, this could be just a quick narrative of what I've been experiencing, but it seems like there's less multi-eligibility players in the auction pool, in the free agent pool. And I don't know if teams are just holding more and Again, this could just be from what I'm seeing in two leagues, which really doesn't explain the whole format, but um seems like that multi-eligibility player is more available in the uh in the main event. So but it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting to um be involved with both and trying to I think like you said, Mark, like trying to um you know really really understand like that there's two different things. It's two different formats and it's two different approaches and people are playing it in two different ways. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's just so much fun trying to crack these little, you know, fantasy baseball riddles that we set out to achieve. It's, uh, it's great. It's, it's, it's the best game out there. It, you know, just one more point on that. It's probably more of a, difference with like the high dollar standalones, you know, the ultimates and uh, finance diamonds, you know, um, as you mentioned, you know, people are doing some punting. Um, there's just different, different strategies, more uh, novel strategies to just get, you know, cash or, or just win that one league. So there's probably, you know, I, I know there's different bidding patterns, you know, Mike always talks about the ultimate just being the wild west as far as bidding, like the bidding is just out of control uh, pretty much year after year. So, that's that's the one advantage of having some standalones that you do um, every year. You kind of know, you know, like that's more the home league where you know typically you get thrown into a you know NFC league. It's it's people you know, but it's not a dynamic that you know is similar from year to year. So you have to kind of re refigure it out each year, which I think Rob is what you're saying makes it such a great game. You 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 have it figured out for one year, and then the next year it's a totally different game, which. Uh, not not that many games are like that, right? You know, more you know, a lot, a lot of games are more consistent year to year, like that games that we play. 
Um, and you could, you know, always, you know, think you're going to do well, but you know, it's very humbling this one. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, is there anything, um, this season that gets really caught your mind, um, just caught your attention, whether it be a player or, um, you know, league trends or anything just popped up, like had just really been in the top of your brain every day as you're scanning box scores or looking at standings It's on the fly question. I know I didn't put this in there, but it's like, what, what are you mostly thinking about every, every day you're like looking forward to? Um, I mean, first of all, I, I'm such a traditionalist. And I hate change, but I have to say, I really like the rule changes. Um, I mean, I, hmm. I think, I feel like, the games move much more quickly, but I'm not missing anything. Um, so I, I'm enjoying that. I I like more stolen bases and seeing more base hits instead of just kind of the three true outcome events. So I'm finding the season really enjoyable. Um, I really like, um, you know, seeing some teams, um, you know, do great on on shoestring budgets. I mean, of course, there's Tampa every year, but um, I, I have a couple of uh, pirates, and uh, they they've been a fun team to watch. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know the obvious is you know not only is there much more stealing, but uh, seems like we're getting a lot more run scoring. Uh, you know what you think of as, uh, um, you know, you, you might think. Oh my God, my my ratios absolutely suck, but they they might not be as bad as you think they are compared to everyone else in your league because it's yep. um it's just it's totally different. And so I mean that's that's the thing, is like every year's uh, you know, in the last four or five, whether they're changing the ball or the rules or COVID or short spring training, it's like it's a totally different game. And it's so it's so difficult and challenging to predict what it's gonna be when you're drafting all these big teams in March uh, and then stuff happens and it's totally different, but um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's a fantastic game. The ultimate challenge. It's incredibly uh, humbling when you think about how many wrong decisions you can make in a week. <laughs> um, and, um, and, it, and it's, and it's just, it's also just interesting how like, you know, on one team, you're like such a genius, but then in another league, you're like such an idiot, you know, and, uh, you know, you can, you can kick ass in some leagues and get your ass kicked in others. Um, you know, it, it, which makes it kind of different, I think, than um, certain other game sports. Absolutely. Was this little... was awesome, fellas. This was a great discussion. Uh Nothing like it's nothing like sharing um an evening with some like-minded fellas talking about fantasy. It's just awesome. And um I was I'm grateful for everyone who wants to spend some time with me and do this because everyone's busy, everyone's got lives, and um I love it that you know you take some time out and and come on and, and share knowledge, share wisdom, you know, with me and everyone who listens. So I appreciate that a ton. And uh, I wish you guys, you know, the best this year. Um I want I want you guys to win. I want everyone to win. <laughs> everyone can't win, Rob. Um, I know. God damn it. All of you want no. Um, no, thanks, Rob, for the for the uh, opportunity. You know, you've you know, I've I've been playing since 2012, Mike, what, 2010 NFBC, something like that? Uh 
the 2012 season, I think, started drafting in 2011. So, yeah. so maybe we were kind of around the same time. Um, you're one of the best things to come into the NFBC since I've been I've been there. Uh, your energy is amazing. Your content's incredible. You're just a solid dude. You're a Jersey guy, which I love. And um, you you know that's you know you were you were asking like what's one thing you think about, and that's one thing I think about every day is what an incredible community that is now being created, and it's really guys like you, the young you know the the young guns who are really making a difference. Um, and you are dragging like the old dinosaurs, like Mike and I, uh, along with you and making us better players. Um, you know, I was, I was, you know, uh, I'm known for my whining with Mike. You know, we have the little whine symbol. Um, which <laughs> it, it works a lot. Like if you whine about a player during a game, you'd be like, I think Javi Baez was today. My earlier whine about him not hitting a homer and then he hits one. So I do have a knack for it, but I'll also whine about other things. And what I was telling him was how hard Fab is now and keeping up with, with, with you guys and all the great new players. There's, you know, Mike's always like, maybe we can slip them by. I'm like, and you, you, that was even a comment you made to him. Like there's, that does not exist, Mike. There's no more slipping by anybody. Like right. everyone knows the same stuff and more. And they, not only that, they've already thought how much to bid while we're like scrambling. If I say like, a second just to get a guy in our queue these guys have already like you know uh you know um game theoried out how much to spend so it's it feels like you're playing from behind now in fab where it used to be kind of a mellow thing everyone would kind of gentleman's agreement not to take it too seriously uh now mm -hmm. it's just like cutthroat and i love that but i also hate it because it makes sundays even more you know stressful and annoying yep. uh but you know, um, you brought such a great, you know, new vibe. Um, your pod's amazing. And, you know, um, so thank you uh, for, for making this game better for everybody. I appreciate that. I you appreciate know. those words. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's it's fantastic. I love listening to um, your pod, especially when you have people on talking strategy I, and just hearing different perspectives and different ways that people prep and approach this game i just i find that fascinating and it's it's fills a huge niche uh in this in this world so yeah keep it up thank you appreciate it yeah it's um i you know zach does a great job with it too like just really covering the nfbc covering the trends dom writing the article too it's just um I think that people are learning more like that's where you can make your differences that's where you could you know um the player valuation right now is through the roof. So it's uh, if everyone's pretty much on this, you know, on a good level there. So it's understanding league dynamics and your, the trends in your leagues. And, um, you know, that's where it can really make a difference. And that's what the, the best thing about the NFPC is all, all that stuff is there to learn it and to you and, and to utilize it. It's, it's a, there's no guessing game. All the data is there and you could see how many, you know, home runs each team is getting per week and how many, you know, what's the 80th percentile and stuff like that. And it's really, it's really awesome. But uh, I can't wait to do oh, it again. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, Robert. I mean, I, it wasn't so, so long ago where you could, you'd have a guy like Kevin Gausman who had like a really high BABIP and like because of his high ERA, he'd be going, you know, a lot of people would be like passing him by and, you know, just a, like a, a, a minor amount of, digging and and stuff and you you'd be you know getting 
cheap share after cheap share of him in league after league after league. And everyone is just, uh, it's gotten so much more advanced and challenging now and everyone's all on him and, you know, guys can have, um, you know, mediocre surface stats and people are all over everything, you know, his pitch picks, his velo, his, you know, uh, EV against, and it's just, um, it it's great. The game's constantly evolving, constantly challenging. And I think right now the biggest challenge is, is um, uh, knowing what to ignore and what to focus on. Yeah. Just oh, unlimited that, information out there. Absolutely. That's a great point. You really have to just focus in. At, and um, I mean, it just, I've started to take in less and less just because, not because I don't think the content is great, but it's just like, I, have like I'm developing more of my own process, you know. So just like um, but it's uh there's a wealth of information out there, and the game keeps growing. So I'm pretty excited about that, and uh, keep going here, and it's NFBC stuff. So pleasure talking to you guys. Um, and um, thanks for the chat. Much appreciated. Hey, my pleasure. Have a good night. Thanks, Rob. All right, another pool here to podcast done. Hope you guys enjoyed that show. I did. And uh, once again, two fantastic gentlemen. If you got a chance to meet them, make sure you go up to and say hi to them. Really good guys. And um, yeah, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing some shows here and there with some guests uh, on top of the ones I'll do with the bullpen girl every week with Fab. And we'll try to do some in-season stuff as the season keeps going. Um, I do have a list of guests that I'm working on and we're gonna, just going to line them up and get them in and talk about how they how they do in-season management and and the long grind of the season and um how they adjust on the fly and some player evaluations as well and um yeah leave a rating review for the show if you've never done so um really helps me goes a long way keep the show popping up on um searches for fantasy baseball and such and if you want to come join the patreon for five bucks a month get you in the door um i know i'm saying it a lot but i'm trying to do this you know um for good so if just come check it out support what i do um give you a lot of content during the week and a lot of stuff in the discord too a lot of information lineup questions being asked um fab questions whatever so come in check it out peace don't be a bag of shit